Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right. I am sitting here in Florida while Nina Tulio is in California right now via Zoom. And I am just a fangirl, Nina. I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this podcast. So welcome. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. I truly am so honored to be here today. So thank you again. Oh, yes, you are just amazing. And and it's so cool because I found you actually through Sean Chido, who's my executive director over all of my companies. He's my right hand. He's my left hand. He's all my hands, actually. <laughs> and uh, and I, I asked him, I said, you know, what is it that you love about Nina? And he said, she's real and relatable. She has a personality and business sense that you're that he is drawn to. She's passionate for the industry and the success of others. And her podcast, No Stylist Left Behind is Raw and real. And Aww. I couldn't agree with him more. And that's really what draw me to you. Of course, your name is Nina and my name is Tina. So that's right. excited too. <laughs> right, exactly. And I love Sean. He is so smart and so just incredibly passionate too. And he just is a wealth of knowledge and so, so sweet. So I'm so, I'm like, I don't want to cry already, but I feel like, oh my God, it was so sweet for him to say all of those kind things. So he rocks. He he doesn't say that about a lot of people, to be honest with you. You must be really amazing. And so that's how I started to kind of stalk you. And my book (laughs) is pretty amazing. I talk about if you want to be successful, you have to stalk visionaries. And so you're one of those people that I wanted to stalk. So I know you're going to be in my life for a really long time. And I want to introduce... Nina here. She's the industry leading salon business consultant speaker. She's an educator. She helps salon owners and stylists all around the world. She focuses on personal development, self-care, and she gives many tools to build a sustainable salon business. She's 24 years in the beauty industry from 20 20 years as a hairstylist. That's amazing. Eight years as a chain salon executive. I can't wait to unpack that a little bit. (laughs) And then 11 years as a successful salon owner. And then you sold your salon in 2016 and you started the consulting agency called 1N Agency. I can't wait to hear why you called it that. You've been married for nine years and you have two dogs, which I love that so much. And I love the fact that uh, you you write a lot of articles and you sent an incredible article. Actually, you had a blog and Sean sent it to our entire team. And I wanted to share it with you because I thought it was such a great quote because it, it goes along with my heart too, Nina. And this is why I connect with you so much because in my book, Be Amazing, I talk about uh, understanding your value is your second step. Mm-hmm. And you right. talk about that and not many salon consultants talk about this. And you said you can't charge your worth if you don't know your value. And it's it's not a pricing issue. We have to stop attacking stylists for that, but we have to help them with their confidence. And it's a self-worth issue. And I have committed my whole life to that in our salons as we are, we're building salons and uh, salons uh, and schools around the country as well too. So uh, that's my heart. Thank you for being a part of this. And I want to hear uh, more from you. First of all, how is it that you were a salon chain executive for eight years? Talk to me about that. Um, so, and thank you for all of that and sharing that. And I actually got emotional even hearing you read that because there's such a struggle with um, stylists and salon owners not not charging, but it's deeper, you know, and I love that you're so incredibly passionate about that too. So, um, okay, so crazy story. I was working for Circuit City, actually. I don't even know if you remember Circuit City. It was back in the day. Yes, and I, I just finished yeah. here. I just finished beauty school and I was looking for a job and I ended up working at Circuit City because I couldn't really find a place that I was a salon that I was that I felt like I was going to make enough money. So 
after working at Circuit City for a little while, my mom found this ad in the newspaper. So we're going back to 1999. And she said, I found this ad in this article and this woman sounds awesome. And they're looking for hairstylists at this new salon that they opened. And so it was a chain salon called 20 Minute Haircut. And she was the wife of Ray Holland, who owned Holiday Hair. And so I don't know if you know of the Holiday Hair Chain, but Ray Holland owned over 200 hair salons and they became my mentors. And so I interviewed with her at 19 years old and I started out as a hairstylist in a walk-in salon. It was brand new. It was really nice. I worked with amazing stylists, very talented people. And I was there for about a year or so. And then I was asked to, um, I was asked to manage I manage now I'm having a moment. I'm like, wow, that was a long time ago. I believe I was asked to manage that salon. And then, um, I was asked shortly thereafter because they were opening up salon after salon. Um, she opened up four or five in a very short amount of time and they wanted and needed a district manager and they wanted to interview me for that position. And so when I worked at circuit city, so I worked these two jobs for a while. And when I worked at circuit city, I actually became a manager for circuit city. I was a customer service manager. Manager, and I went to Richmond, Virginia for a week long training, which was probably one of the best business training seminars that I ever went to because it talked about personality and how to treat people and how to understand yourself and leadership. And so I learned a lot from that. And so when she asked me to do that, I thought, oh, wow, this is great. I could really put some of my leadership skills to the test here and really help her build the business. And so I stopped doing hair. And I managed eight salons and there were eight individual managers in each salon. And then I traveled around to each location every single day and, um, or, you know, through the week. And we did that for about, I'm going to say I was with her for about three years until I got promoted to that position. And then I was with her for about five more. So in total, I was with her for about eight years. And then at the tail end of that, Ray Holland was selling all of his holiday hair salons. And so she decided that she was going to sell her chain and they wanted to move to West Palm Beach, Florida. So at year seven, I believe, uh, they asked me if I wanted to move to West Palm Beach with them and become partners with them to open up a small chain of salons in West Palm Beach and in the Southern Florida area. At the time, I was 20 six or 27 years old. And so I had already purchased my first home at 25 and I thought, okay, this could be a really great opportunity for me, but I'm going to have to leave my family and leave my friends and my home and all of the things. So, um, but I decided to, with her help in making the right decision to do it. And so I, sold my home and moved to Florida and my mom ended up coming too. She, you know, was, I believe she had a home. She sold her home and then ended up coming to, she got her own apartment in Florida and we lived in West Palm and Ray, Robin, and I opened up five salons in one year in West Palm beach, Port St. Lucie and in other areas, um, Stewart. So there was a lot of different, um, you know, different, areas in Southern Florida. And yeah, so we did that for about a year. So now we're about on year eight that I was with her. Robin Turner was her name. And she's still my mentor to this day. Um, as, as Ray is, as, although he's, you know, older, older now. Um, and at year eight, I thought to myself, I really, really want to do something on my own. I really want to break out um, for a little while, I felt like I was in, in their shadow, you know, and I wanted to do my own thing. So I walked away from that job, which paid me incredibly well. I had full benefits. I had a brand new car. I had insurance paid for, cell phone paid for. I had a beautiful condo that I had built the year before in West Palm. And they had given me deposit money for that house. They really took incredible care of me. And that's why I feel like I, they were so good to me that I want to be able to pay it forward and do that to other people. And that was the mission that I had when I opened my own salon. So year eight sold my condo that I had built in West Palm, which I made a lot of money from, cause that was the booming time. It was 2004, 2005 in Florida. So everything was exploding and I moved back home I sold everything. I had to get my own car. I had to turn my car in. So I had to get my own car and do my own thing. I didn't have a job. Um, and I, uh, that was when Anthony Ashley was born, which was the salon that I 
ended up opening back home in Pennsylvania, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I'm from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And um, within about six months of leaving them in West Palm, I opened up Anthony Ashley in 2006, January of 2006. And that was the start of my business um, that I owned for 11 years before I sold it. So it working with them. And I say this and I I hear them in my mind every single day. I know I'm sure you have mentors as well. They absolutely changed my life in more ways than just business. They taught me how to treat people. They taught me how to lead people. Um, They taught, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because I feel like I, I just... I just adore them. They taught me how to give back. Um, they were very, they did very well for themselves, but they were so kind and generous and they did a lot of charity work. And I just learned a lot from them as I learned from my mom too. You know, I learned all of these things, but they helped push me into more of a leadership role and uncovering those, um, traits within myself. And they really put a lot of trust in me to run and manage these salons for them. And there for a while, you know, cause Robin was, she was kind and nice and she wanted to appease everybody and help everybody. And I was pretty stringent and strict in my leadership. I was very kind and a compassionate leader, but I always like to lead with structure. And so we had this thing going back and forth between us. So at one point when I was, you know, the DM for her company, I said, that's it. Don't go into the salons anymore because you undo what I do. So you just take care of all the finances and I will run all the salons for you. And we will not worry about what everybody else is doing in the space. Cool. And she was like, sounds great to me. So we had this really great relationship where we really respected each other. And she let me run the salons and she let me make all the calls and the business. And, um, she ran all the finances and that was the end of that. So she didn't come in anymore. (laughs) So there wasn't like, she wasn't, I wasn't undoing things or redoing them. Um, but I'm just so grateful for them. And I, I feel like my life changed completely because of the two of them. So I'm very, very fortunate in that sense. Wow. What an incredible story. There's so many things I could unpack with this entire story. (laughs) So, so let's move forward. So then you decide to open up your own salon. Mm -hmm. So were you prepared? Did you felt like you were prepared and how well did you do with that salon? What happened next? Well, I thought I was prepared. So I want, you have to remember, I went from, running a chain of walk-in salons to creating a salon for myself that was not a walk-in salon. It was an appointment-based salon that took walk-ins. So it was structured differently. Now I learned everything in terms of profit margins and all of that stuff. Um, But, you know, I didn't do well. You know, the first five years I really struggled and it wasn't because I didn't I didn't know things. There were things that I had to learn and things that I had to really discover as I was going through this because this this, um, appointment salon thing was really different for me and paying commission. You know, the salons with them were an hourly structure. So it was a really different environment for me. And I made a lot of bad decisions. And then slowly with that came creeping in the horrible relationship that I had with money. And so that started to kind of take over a little bit. And the choices that I made were not always wise when it came to investing in marketing and advertising. I spent a lot of money that never brought in a return on my investment. I hired people that were not a fit for my brand. I paid people probably when I shouldn't have had them there with me in the first place. I should have probably just opened up on my own. And I thought that it would be busier. I thought because I was coming back to my hometown that I would be a lot busier. And when I created my business plan, my business plan wasn't structured properly because I overshot. So now when I teach people how to create a business plan, I always teach them to be very cautious and to make sure that they can run their business on their own with their own income, not having to rely on anybody else because I really want to use the mistakes that I made to um, help other people. So the first five years were awful to be straight up. I mean, it was horrible. I almost closed my business twice. I got into about $90,000 of debt, horrible decisions with marketing, but also shopping to kind of cope as, you know, as a coping mechanism to kind of get me through things. And I went into like a really dark space and I kind of spiraled out of control. And then I was in a really horrible a very toxic relationship so that you have personal and business that are not going well, which we know how that goes. It never ends up well. So I 
prayed a lot and I did a lot of soul searching. And I finally, one day I just said, God, just tell me, please, what you want me to do because I don't quit and I'm not a failure. So I know this is it for me. This is my passion and my journey, but I need your help. And at that moment, well, the first time I closed that, that was my, my first prayer session (laughs) of many. Um, but at that moment for the first time closing, I think was year one, Um, after I kind of went through all of that, I came into work the next day and an ad that I was supposed to run ended up going full circulation instead of partial circulation. So I came in that day and I had 18 voicemails of people who wanted to make appointments with me. So that was the first time that I really felt saved. And then the second time of my closing was when the recession hit in 2007, 2008. And I was in that horrible relationship. I spent a ton of money that I shouldn't have spent. And I ended up almost closing that second time. And I ended up selling my home to keep my business. I had to make a choice because I had an employee that was working with me and I had all of these clients that were showing up for me every day and I didn't want to disappoint them. So I said, keep your house, keep your business. And I, it was my responsibility to show up every day. And that meant that I had to compromise and make sacrifices. So I sold my home and I moved into a small one bedroom apartment and I started to own my own shit. That's really what the change was for me. I started to own my own shit and I stopped feeling sorry for myself. And I said, enough, enough is enough. Get up, do what it is that you know how to do. Get a new team in place, get people in there, get yourself focused, stop feeling sorry for the fact that you made horrible decisions and move forward. And so on top of that, I decided that I was going to move locations. So it was bad enough that I had all of this debt and But I felt like if I didn't move locations, I wouldn't be able to thrive because we can only offer a certain amount of um, services in my small six, 700 square foot spot that I was in. So I made a decision to move into a larger space. It was double this. It was almost, it was 1600 square feet. It needed to be rehabbed. So cosmetically it needed to be repaired and the landlord actually was a connection. It was a friend of a friend of mine. So I was, and, and still am friends with Tony, who is the chamber of commerce president. And he vouched for me. And my landlord at that space took me in knowing that I, I just ruined my credit. I wasn't paying anything. I had $90,000 in debt. I was going through a horrible time and I took the risk. And I moved to this space. I borrowed $5,000 cash from one of my best guy friends, Gus, He never asked why he just gave me the money. And I took that $5,000, grabbed my friends and family. We rehabbed this spot and we opened and it was very risky because the rent was more. I was paying about $500 more in rent and the landlord actually reduced the rent for me significantly and put me on a balloon lease so I could afford getting in there. And, um, I, now that I'm talking about this, I just, I was so blessed with so many people that were so kind, um, with my friends and family, helping me redo this spot and my employees helping me redo this. And I hired a new team. I got my shit together. I created better systems. I was like Waldo. I was out at networking events every single week and I changed the structure of my business. But first and foremost, I changed myself. Mm. And so Um, sorry. I think that's why I'm so passionate about helping stylists and salon owners work on themselves first, because I truly believe that when you are good within you, you can do anything. And a lot of this industry is based on confidence or the lack thereof. And we go into this, not having, there's no college for hairstylist, right? To run a business. Mm -hmm. And we go into this, just making decisions based on fear. And that's what I did. I was a salon owner that was running my business based on fear. And it, it just runs really deep with me. So, um, fortunately I made a lot of changes within myself, made a lot of changes with my team and within my business. And 
I ended up growing that business. So after year five, that was the turning point for me. And we grew that business year over year, 20 to 30% from year six to the time I sold it at year 11. And um, I had an incredible team who I love to death and I still talk to them and I couldn't have done it alone, you know, and, but it was me. I had to change my own behavior and um, with the help of other people too. So that was kind of that segment of my life, you know, having that salon, it was great and amazing, but it was incredibly hard. Yeah. Why did you end up selling it? What was your reasoning for selling it? So when I went into the business, I knew that I was going to sell the business. So I structured the business to sell it. You know, Ray Holland always told me that if you stay behind the chair, you will be ball and chain to that chair and you will never grow your business the way it needs to be grown. And so I really took that to heart. So my goal was to back away from behind the chair after year five, but of course I couldn't do that because of the mistakes that I made. So I worked behind the chair until year nine or nine or 10. So I sold it. I was almost 11 years when I sold it. So I was one year away from selling the business and I backed away from behind the chair. And, um, I did that because I knew I was selling eventually and I didn't know how or what I was going to do or who was going to buy it, but I knew that was coming. But the reason there were two other reasons that were important. Number one, the business was doing extremely well. So I was taught to run my business off of a 20% profit, which, you know, in this industry, typically right now it's about an 8% profit. Um, and so I was taught by Ray and Robin to do that. And that's why I want to help other owners do that as well. Um, I was fortunate enough to run my business between a 17 and a 23% profit as I scaled back behind the chair that changed, of course. Um, but I started slowly backing away the profit margins were great. The business was doing well. My husband was looking for work outside of Pennsylvania. So I knew we were going to be moving and to be straight up, I was tired. I was incredibly tired. And I knew that it was a two-year plan for me. It was a two-year exit strategy. I knew it was coming. I could feel it. And I knew that if I couldn't show up at 150% for my team and my guests, it was time to go. And so I started about a two-year strategy and setting things in place and backing away and giving my clients to my team and making sure that my systems were tight and my profit margins were good and my taxes were on point and all of the things. And those were the reasons why I sold it. I was tired because it was my own fault. I worked 365 days a year for 11 years straight. I took one full week vacation out of that whole entire time. And that was for my honeymoon. And um, other times I took off like a day here, day there, two week, you know, two days here and combine it with the weekend. Um, I just worked nonstop. And it was the driving force behind me to do better and help others and show up for my team that made me work that way. And so I was exhausted and I just... I, I don't think I was going to be able to sustain. So instead of like making a really bad situation, I wanted to make it positive and leave on a good note and leave when the business was, th was thriving. And I was still feeling like I could give it my attention. Wow. Incredible. And then of course your uh, consulting agency was born and we'll talk about that. I, I believe what I'm going to call this series is going to be called be a risk taker because that's what you are. And it's interesting because I'll be speaking. I have to do my uh, five minute speech at our John Maxwell training twice a year. And it's actually going to be on how to make your dreams come true. And in order to do that, you have to bet on yourself. Yes. Oh, I love that. One, that's what you did. So number one, bet on yourself. Yes. And you did that because you walked away from a paycheck that was big and you bet on yourself. You were such a risk taker, which I love. And then I put a uh, second step is to ask for help. You're constantly asking yes. people for help, which I love. And you got to get out of your comfort zone with that one. And then number three, I put down, you have to understand your value, which we kind of talked about that. So let's go backwards a little bit. Where did you and when did you truly find your value? Because I know for me, it's interesting. Our stories are very similar. Uh, like I had my first salon after seven years. I was losing 90 to 100,000, same thing. And I shut the doors. I said, wow. you know what? I'm done. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm shutting the doors. And I did. And I even had an incredible partner that was you know, wow. with us. And I just said, no. And that was the recession year. 
That was the year of recession. Wow. I said, you know what? I'm walking away and I'm going to run my schools. I'm going to stay focused here. But I was actually in blame zone for 10 years. I blamed my people. I blamed the economy. I blamed anything and everybody that I could get my hands on. Then I became a John Maxwell coach. And I had that realization, just like you did, that John Maxwell, we were taught a course in Guatemala. I'll never forget. Wow. Transformation begins in me. And I looked in the mirror, just like you said, own your own shit, you said. Yep. At that point, I had looked in the mirror and I was like, you know what, Tina, that business failed because of you because everything rises and falls on leadership. And I yes. didn't see it before. I wasn't aware. I was, And so that's where my, our company, Next Level Salon Leadership, was born because we pretty much, we only coach salon owners and managers. That's, mm-hmm. I stay in that lane because right. I know their hearts because I know how they are risk takers and they bet on themselves. Right. And like I did, I mean, you mortgage your home, like you did, I did the same thing. Like we didn't have any money to start these companies and we had to just take, and if I lose everything, I'm homeless, you know, there's you and and it's crazy. And so how, where did that come for you? Because I didn't really understand my value. I didn't even, I didn't know that I had to know myself to grow myself. And it really took me quite a few years and I'm still stumbling through it and fumbling through my value. But where did that come from you? So, you know, I've always, this is something that I've struggled, I struggled with for a long period of time in my um, early teen, early uh, 20s, and in, even into my late 20s, going into my 30s, uh, right before I met my husband, um, we got married late in life, you know, 33, 34. And so I struggled with that in, in the value and the worth side of it. I almost felt like I kind of had two personalities because I had my personal life and my own stuff, my personal struggle that was um, insecure and nervous and had really bad anxiety as I still do now, uh, felt a little unsure. And then I had my work Nina, which was the Nina that showed up every day and was confident and strong and ready to take on the world and take risks. So I felt like I had two personalities, you know, and I feel like in my early years of owning the salon, because I was fear-based and I was making a lot of decisions on my fear-based, I allowed my personal trauma and my personal pain to creep into my business space. And I made a lot of decisions that were fear-based because of that. I started to do a lot of work on myself personally. I started to, when I lived in West Palm, I've always been in therapy and I'm, I talk about it. I'm proud to say that I've been in therapy since I'm 21 years old. Um, just because a lot of dysfunction and things that had gone on in my family and with the relationship that I had with my dad. And I knew that I had to really get it together. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to do better and be better than, than what I saw at home. And so I started therapy and then I started to really dive into some really deep spiritual work when I lived in West Palm. And, um, I started to unpack all of these things that I was holding on to. And and one of them really being the relationship that I truly had with my dad till I was only about 14. And then my mom and dad ended up getting divorced after almost 30 years of marriage. And my dad ended up moving to Philadelphia with my sister. And that was pretty much it. You know, after that, I really didn't see my dad or talk to him or, you know, he kind of went into his own space. And now I know as an adult that he was troubled and had his own things that he was going through. Because I think what happened and, and what allowed me to make the shift was that when I started to unpack my own stuff, I started to see my parents through adult eyes and understand that they also had their own stuff that they were carrying. So it was, I had to really become mature and look at this in a mature way if I wanted to become healthy. And so going through this stuff with my dad, in terms of the value side of it, it was really when I started to unpack the stuff with him and really started to work on that and find my truth within myself that I started to see more value in my business and my work and the way that we were charging and the way that we were structuring and the way that I was creating systems and holding people accountable um, because it really helped me. But, you know, I think the relationship that I didn't have with my dad, obviously it helped me become who I am today. So I, I feel like we have choices in life. We can choose to 
be resentful and have all har- harbor all of this pain, um, or we can choose to understand why they did the things that they did, and that it was actually a gift that he wasn't in my life. Um, I love him. He's since recently passed. Now just about a year, so now I'm dealing with that loss, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I almost have a better relationship with him now than I did when he was here on Earth. Sounds weird, but it's true. Um, and I'm thankful because if I wasn't thankful, that would mean that I would have to go down the rabbit hole of why weren't you here for me? Why didn't you provide for me? Why didn't you show up for me? And that's too heavy for me to carry. And it, it wasn't my bag to carry, you know? So things started to shift after I started to really own my own shit and like unpack all of this stuff. I had to take a hard look at myself and say, this business failed because of you in the, you know, the first five years, I almost closed my business twice and I owned it. It was my fault. It was nobody's fault, but my own. I made poor choices and I had to own up to it. And that's when I started to find the value. You know, it was the, um, it was working on myself personally, but also working on myself and my business and facing my truth and knowing that, you know what, I'm, I've got some pretty good things going here. You know, I know I'm a good person. I know I'm a good leader. I know I treat my team very well. I love them. I hold them accountable, which people think is not a positive, but it is. If you want to do right by your team, you hold them accountable and you make them level up. And so I knew that. So as we started to have this momentum and I started to have feeling good or better about myself, I started to feel better about my business and then vice versa. So it was probably year six that I started to feel really good. Um, went through some lows a little bit with relationships and things like that. And then I, it was a a big turning point for me when we really started to continue to grow the business year over year. And I had a full team Mm -hmm. of about, it could go anywhere between four or five, six people at a time. Then we hired assistants. Then we started hiring receptionists and I felt incredibly responsible for every single person that worked with me, because I knew that they they were feeding their children, they were paying their mortgages, and they were feeding themselves by my doors being open. And that was a huge responsibility for me. And I didn't take that lightly. So I believe that was, it was all of that. It was unpacking. It was myself. It was looking myself in the mirror. It was doing a lot of hard work emotionally that was not fun. And to be honest, I'm still doing the work. You know, I moved to Los Angeles and still had things going on in my life and dealing with my dad's passing. And I I still, now I see a therapist here. I have to, um, because if not, I'll fall behind. I know myself and I know my anxiety will really take over. So it was that turning point for me that really started to level up in all areas of my business. I'm always going to be a work in progress. I think we all are. If you stop learning, you stop growing. So, um, but that was probably the biggest changing point for me was that year six really started to kind of change, you know, things around both personally and professionally. Wow. That's so powerful. I love this. So I put down number four, um, become more because this is the B series because, Mm -hmm. and you said in order to do better, you have to be better. And in order to do that, is to always hire a therapist or a coach. And mm-hmm. I'm 100%. I mean, you and I are coaches, so we get it. And yep. I'm also a life coach. And I do a lot of coaching with one of my partners who's a psychotherapist. And so of course, I get, I kind of get free uh, therapy from her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Therapy coaching that's online. Yep. And I couldn't agree with you more with that, because we just can't see our blind spots. And so I just think that's just so incredible. It really helps to unpack that. And then I put uh, the next one is uh, see your parents through adult eyes. I'm so glad you said that because I had to do the same thing, Nina. And I've watched uh, people in my life not do that. And Mm -hmm. they continue. I mean, they're 50, 60 years old and they're still angry at their parents. Right. And it's like, you can be bitter or you can be better and talk through that process because I feel like someone is listening right now saying, I can't, you know, I just, everything that happened to me was just too big. I can't forgive them. I can't forget what they did. Um, How can you see your parents through adult eyes? So actually Robin taught me that, um, my mentor, she would always, you know, not only did she teach me things in business, but she also taught, they taught me things about life and, um, 
it was one of those very eye-opening moments where, you know, we would talk about things personally. And she said, you know, you're going to have to start to switch a little bit in the way that you look at your parents and your mom and your dad, because she knew that I always struggled with that relationship with my dad. I think where it all really starts is number one, you have to meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. I really learned at an early age that I could only expect my father to meet me where I was and I can only meet him where he was. Mm -hmm. And almost just really thinking about, okay, how can I see him in as a true human and not just as my father? How could I stop saying you didn't do, you didn't do? And let's kind of start to peel the layers back and look at what he has done, right? The positive. And then also really strip it back to say, where did he come from? Because we all come from somewhere and we all have a story. And what I also learned in my 20s is that everybody operates at the level that they know. Every, we're all a product of our own environment. And so unless we're ready to break the chain and break the habit, we're going to continue to do the things that we were taught. One of the biggest things for me was that I didn't want to be like my dad. You know, my dad was very, um, very laid back, super chill, no sense of urgency, no drive, no ambition. Had a, He worked at Durkee's, which was a huge um, company for like spices and things, worked there for 25 years, got laid off, and then ended up moving with my sister in Philadelphia and kind of worked these like dead end jobs. And I didn't, I didn't want to be like that. So I worked very hard to be the opposite. And I wanted to take what I learned from him and turn it as a positive. So if this is when, what he didn't give me, then I have to find it on my own. Or if I knew that he wasn't driven and he didn't do X, Y, Z, and I wasn't going to do that, what is the opposite of that? What does that look like for me? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of like the first part of it. It's peeling back the layers and understanding that they're also human. And then the other side of it too, is when you really try to understand your parents the majority of us come from a space of pain. And I think that people have more pain than others, right? And if you come from, you know, I come from a long line of abuse and abusive relationships, toxic relationships going further back even to my grandparents. And when that happens, we just keep doing what we see. We repeat the behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think when you take a look and you say, okay, where did they come from? What did they endure? What must it have been like for them? It turns it into a, into the perspective of like, wow, they're human too, and they carry their own stuff. And so seeing my parents, instead of putting them up on this pedestal, like they were perfect and amazing and everything was like roses and butterflies, I tried to really strip it back and say, what did they endure? What was their childhood like? You know, let me understand that a little bit more because then I can understand where you're coming from. And what it did for me, honestly, is it allowed me not to take it so personally because for years, and my dad didn't talk to my brothers either. It was two, my, I'm the youngest. So my two brothers and myself, he didn't talk to them either. I took it very personally, but as I started to do the work, I started to understand that it's not personal. 90% of the time, the way people treat you has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. And so when I started to do all of this stuff and I would think, wow, my dad's really been through it. And let me look at the, you know, his, his parents and my grandparents and see what that relationship really looked like. And, you know, I can see why he was the way that he was. And deep down, um, I feel like my dad was very sick, you know, mentally, I don't believe he was very stable. And I think that he carried a lot of guilt and pain and he did, he showed up for me the the best way that he could. And the only way that I could move forward was to be able to forgive him and accept him for who he was and really pull out all of the good things that he gave me and take, take it from there and then pay it forward. So I feel like, so I feel like because I didn't get a lot of love from him growing up, that's why I feel like I'm very passionate about making sure that I love on others 
That's yeah. the, that's one of the gifts, gifts I feel like he gave me. So if I didn't get that love from him, if I got that love from him, maybe I wouldn't be able to love on everybody else the way that I do or grow my business in love and not fear. And so I thank him for that. I'm really, you know, working on coming into a good place with that. And there were so many gifts that he gave me. He taught me how to be strong and he taught me how to be wise. And he taught me how to stand up for myself because he didn't. And if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be that today. So I really want want to grasp and hold on to that and not focus on all of the bad stuff um, because that will make me resentful. And when you hang on to resentment, it only makes you sick. And I just got tired of being sick. I really did. I got tired of being sick over this whole situation. So we have choices and you can stay sick or you can heal and get better. And I chose to, to get better and heal. And that's kind of where I am. I'm still working on it. I've been working on this. I feel like for my whole life. Um, but it is a constant process, but I went through ebbs and flows of it. Um, and now I'm at another stage, you know, where I'm working even harder with just dealing with the passing of him and, you know, what that looked like. And, uh, you know, just kind of talking to him at night when I go to sleep and feeling a sense of peace and comfort, knowing that he really truly did the best that he could. And that's it. Wow. That is just absolutely beautiful. I love that you said that. And I think it's just really huge. And I put number six is be thankful because things don't happen to you. They happen through you for other people. And I know for a fact that things that happen to me, I wouldn't be the person that I am either. And I love, I don't know if you ever listened to Joyce Meyer, but she's one of my all time favorite pastors and just her life of what happened to her, her dad sexually abused her, her whole life. And the fact that she's been able to use that as her platform. And that's exactly uh, why she became the woman that she is today. And I think, you know, it's huge to get around people that have been able to work through better. I think uh, avoiding being around people that are bitter too, as well, because that's going to take you down that rabbit hole again too. So choosing the right to be in your inner circle as well. And I, I love that you said that. So being thankful, I think is just really huge. I remember there was a time with my parents, it was quite a few years ago. And every day I texted, I text them and told them something I was grateful for. So it was, it was like a third love that. It was just something I did. And they're like, wow, I can't believe she's saying this, but I think it really helped to build them up and to realize that how much I truly, truly was grateful for all of the great things that they did for me. So I think that was huge. And then you said something really big, number seven, take on responsibility. So to be a risk taker, you've got to be responsible. You have to take on responsible who you will be leading. And you know, and I know we coach salon owners and they complain about their people and they're like, they just won't do what I tell them to do. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing everything I can to spark that transformation that both you and I had in ourselves of, you know, you've got to look in the mirror because who you are is who you attract, right? Yes, and, yep. and so you have to transform in order for your team to transform and you got to grow that leadership lid in order for your team's lid to grow, right? So talk about that, uh, take responsibility, who you will be leading. I love the passion you have behind that because that's, just, that's my legacy. It's part of my legacy. That's why I continue to build businesses and I'm continuing to coach salon owners because my fear is my students are taking they're taking these jobs is what's happening and they're leaving the industry after two years because of poor leadership or they're going into salon suites because they're like, I'm not dealing with these jerks anymore, you know, or this bad culture that's happening in these salons. And so my fear is that, uh, so talk a little bit more, how can they be more responsible to take on that responsibility? So, yeah, and you're right. And so we have so many similarities. It's so funny, but, and we, we have the same mindset, it seems, which is amazing. And you're so right. It really, it comes down to the fact that the success or the failure of your business is yours and it's yours alone. And understanding that is the first, really, truly the first step, knowing that you have the power to make this business something really special or not, right? The power is yours. And I think responsibility comes into play when, when you bring on a team, you are responsible for them. And I think understanding that 
your leadership and your guidance and everything that you say and how you show up and how you talk to them and how you treatment treat them plays a, a big role in that. And I think it's owning the fact that and taking responsibility for everything that happens in your business. So instead of like you mentioned before, when you said the blame game, you know, you went through that where you were blaming everybody else. It's just, if you want to change your business, look at yourself first. That's what I always say. We have to look at yourself first. And this part of accountability is saying, it's kind of like a checklist that I go through with people. How can I take more responsibility and have accountability? How am I showing up every day? What does my attitude look like? How am I dressing? How am I treating my guests? How am I treating my team? Am I giving them the, the time that they need and that they deserve? Am I staying late? Am I coming in early? Am I coaching and spending time coaching and inspiring and motivating and empowering my team on a daily basis? So these are things that you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, how am I showing up? That's the first part of being responsible, right? Because as a leader, it's, I, I believe you lead and set the tone in every way for your business. So if there's something that you don't like in your business, see if you're doing it first, are you holding yourself accountable? And are you setting the example? And if you are, how are you going to hold your team accountable, right? It's not just leadership. Isn't just letting people come and go and do whatever they want to do. That's not great leadership. Leadership is really setting the groundwork, right? Setting, having the brand in place, having the structure in place, having everything in place, having the, you know, the culture in place, and then hiring people that fit to that, not trying to fit it to them. And I think a lot of salon owners are struggling right now because they're trying so desperately to hold on to people by overly catering to their people because they lost themselves, right? They kind of lost themselves along the way. So I feel it's about knowing who you are as a brand and as a person, being responsible for that, being okay with that. This is my brand. This is what I offer. This is what we stand for. Here are my morals and core values and beliefs. And you're either in or you're not, but it takes a long time to kind of get to that point if you're operating from a space of fear, right? So there's a lot of, I mean, I could talk about that for hours, but I think the responsibility and the accountability starts with you. Ask yourself, how am I showing up? If I don't like how Sally is greeting her guests, how am I greeting my own? Like use yourself as a mirror to see what's going on in your business. And the great news is you have every opportunity to change it. You can change it. It's going to take a little bit of time, but you can definitely do that. And I think salon owners right now in the area that we're at in our industry, salon owners are very scared because they have suites and rentership and they have all of these independents now that people are looking for They're, you know, they have opportunity in, in other ways, other than just being in a commission salon. And now more than ever, I believe that there are a lot of salon owners that are fear-based and it's like, how can I give them more? What can I do more? And I'm like, hold on a minute. It's not about giving. It's about meeting halfway. Are they showing up and doing their key performance indicators and benchmarks? Are they hitting all of that? And are you showing up and doing all the things that you say? It's not about just giving them and letting them walk all over you. Then there's no structure. Then, then what I call, I call this, uh, having the business being led from the bottom, it never works out well, right? They're stylists for a reason. They're looking at you for guidance and for direction and for inspiration and for some uh, nurturing kind of, how are we going to do this together? And if you don't have that, it starts with you. So maybe making a list of how can I change myself a little bit and my behaviors so then I can change the behaviors within my business. Wow, this is huge. And I think uh, this is going to tie into number eight, too, because uh, take response. Number seven, we said be responsible for who you will be leading. Uh, but I also believe that because you did this with your partners or your bosses is you've got to be responsible for who leads you. So you held your boss accountable and said, Hey, uh, why don't you just stay home and you know, you pay yeah. the bills and I'll run your salon. Yeah. And, but you did it in such a nice way. And I right. remember Don did that for me years ago. He used to say, you know, as the owner, you shouldn't really be coaching. He really wanted to say, cause you suck at coaching. <laughs> Uh, so let me do it. And, uh, and, you know, you just create magic and he did it in such a nice way. And, and this is something I'm really working hard with all of our salon teams is training 
our staff how to lead their leaders and how to be that, I like to call it the 360 degree leader, which is uh, taken from the John Maxwell book, mm-hmm. 360 degree leader, how to be that person. So talk about that because to be a risk taker, you got to be able to lead your leaders and you did it. So talk about how you did that and how people could follow your lead with it. So lead your leader. So in terms of how I was able to approach Robin and say, you're screwing things up in the business, so don't come in. Um, You know, I think it really is about being totally honest and transparent Mm -hmm. and doing it with kindness. You know, when you do it with kindness behind it and good intention, you know, people will really see that shining through. Uh, You know, I always want the best for, for everyone. And I really feel like when you come and lead from a servant's heart, I believe that that's how I lead. And I really believe in servant leadership, serving others, not only your clients, but your team as well. When you have those hard, honest conversations, that is the absolute best way to do it because no one reads your mind. No one knows what's going on inside your mind, but you. And sometimes you have to understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to step outside of yourself and say, oh, I'm not really good at that but that's what great leaders do. They understand that they're not great at everything and they hire people in to do those things for them, right? So for me, for instance, I was not great at updos. It used to cause a huge amount of stress for me and um, updos were just never really my thing. And so I did them until I didn't have to do them anymore. You know, I wanted to find a well-rounded team that could do makeup because I couldn't do that, that could do updos and that could do balayage with their eyes closed. Cause that just wasn't my thing. And so it's understanding that you don't have to be great at everything. And when someone tells you that you're not great at it, don't get offended. It just gives you more space to focus on the things that you're great at. Right. So just be honest and be transparent and take a step back, you know, self-assess that's huge. Oh yeah. Self-assess. I love that. Yeah. Self-assess and then be a, a, a assessed as well, because what, we did is we took our salon leaders and we said, Hey, what are you looking for in a leader? And they gave us actually 21 qualities. Mm -hmm. So I made this assessment, the 21 uh, qualities of a leader, I called it. Mm -hmm. And I had them assess Sean, myself, my daughter, Brianna. And it was really cool because I've been able to see if they have safety with us because what I've realized, and this is what I've been coaching our salon leaders is in order for you to give feedback to your team with safety, they first have to give feedback to you. So you have to build that connection, appropriate, solid relationship with them and allow them to assess you. And already they've already shown safety with us. And, and with me, one of the very first things that they pointed out, which was a blind spot for me was you like to jump in and make decisions right away, but we would rather you collaborate with us first so that we can make the decision together. It felt so good for them to tell me that because I thought, oh, wow, I thought I was doing better, but obviously not. (laughs) And so it's enabled me to be able to reflect and say, okay, so make sure when I go into this meeting that I include everybody because my high D personality, I call it with a disc assessment, um, makes me, it's a, it's a strength, but over you, it becomes a a weakness and something that you have to really, really watch. And so I love that you said constant assessments. And so Mm -hmm. I put that actually as a number nine. So assessing yourself, allowing your team to assess you, and then team members that are listening to this, allow your boss to assess you and allow your peers to assess you and be open to that feedback. We always say to our team, part of our culture is to ask each other, how am I doing and how could I do better and be open to that feedback. It's not always easy. (laughs) It's not easy, but it's so important. Absolutely. It goes back to what you said. I think the bottom line here is to really, really understand your value, Mm -hmm. how valuable that you truly are. Because I noticed, Nina, the team that I have, uh, when they aren't able to take feedback, it's because of something, either trauma from their past or something that happened and they truly don't understand how valuable they are. And so it just goes back to doing that work. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to act on things that happen to you or eventually you'll act out and it'll affect every relationship that you have as well. So I love that you said that. So the one end agency that you have, the consulting agency, 
where'd the name come from, first of all? <laughs> and, uh, and what exactly do you do with this consulting business? So it's so funny that you say that because as you're asking me, I'm like looking at my hair. I'm like, come on, Tina, one N. <laughs> so it's my hair color is one N. I figured so. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so my husband and I were thinking about what could I call this thing? You know, I'm really hard with coming up with concepts and stuff and he's in digital marketing and media. So he's very smart and coming up with these things. So it took us a month. And one day we were sitting at the table and I think we were at his parents' house and he said, I have it. I have the name one N agency. He's like, your hair is one N your name is Nina. Like, let's put it together. And I was like, Oh my God, I love that. So that's where one N agency came from. And I wanted to, to name it one N agency and not Nina's consulting, or it was the kind of the same way that I did my salon. I didn't name it Nina's. It was Anthony Ashley because I want to scale the business. And when you have your name tied to it, although my middle name was Ashley, but no one really knew that it wasn't so personal to me. And so, um, one in agency started in 2017. So I'm in my third year. The first year was so tough. It was incredibly hard. There were many, many nights of like, I don't think I could do this anymore. This isn't for me. I, I, no one's showing up. I can't sell tickets to any of my events. Like it was really hard, but I, I had to keep pushing through and I had to dig deep and know my value, but also know my passion, my purpose and my gift. Mm -hmm. And so that allowed me to continue to show up every single day. And the people that were supporting me, the people that were eventually then showing up for me. Now the people that are showing up for me have become my why. You have to really know why you show up every day. You have to know what gets you out of bed and you have to know what motivates you. And I'm very clear on that. And I have a lot of people that I'm so grateful to have people that support me and show up for me every day. And it is my everything, my everything behind my why of why I show up. And it's because of them. And so, you know, that's what, that's how this started. And it was honestly like you, it was to help salon owners, the mission and everything I wrote. So I created this back in 2014 while I still had my salon and it was all for salon owners because I know how it feels to struggle as a commissioned salon owner. And so that was what I really wanted to focus on. But as this thing started to grow organically, it started to spill over to hairstylists reaching out for coaching because they wanted to grow up in levels in their salons. And now sweet owners obviously reaching out. And so it kind of, I let it evolve and grow organically. Um, I am incredibly passionate about what I do. I, I, I always say and said for many years that my passion lies with growing people. I'm just fortunate enough that I get to do it in this beautiful industry. And I love this industry. I love just growing people. And so that's what one an agency does. I mean, my ultimate mission is to help salon owners and hairstylists grow their business from a space of confidence and not fear to really understand their value and to spend more time working on self instead of being the perfect technical hairstylist. Don't get me wrong. You have to be great at what you do, but when you combine the two with the technical and then working on yourself and really being okay with living in your truth and being okay with your flaws and understanding what you bring to the table, you no longer question that price increase. You no longer question the fact that you're going to talk to Karen about her new pricing behind the chair. And you're not even going to flinch when she says, oh my God, it's this much now. Yes, it is. And you know why? Because I'm going to just take such great care of you. And you know, this it's really operating from that space. And that has been, that's my mission. You know, I really want to help everybody in the industry become stronger from within so they can be better moms and better brothers and sisters and dads and all of the things, because it honestly, truly starts with you. That's, I mean, that's, that's it. It starts with you. So there's different ways people can work with me and coaching is one of them. I have an online program, which is great. It's a resource for someone who can, you know, look and do watch videos in their own time. And then of course the in-salon education, which is getting to, it's my favorite part. That's what I love the most is just hugging people and spending quality time with them face-to-face in salons and doing all of that and traveling. So, you know, that's kind of what it's become over the past three years. So I've been very fortunate and very blessed. Incredible. I love it. Okay. So I made that number 10, uh, show up even when you're rejected because you got to really know your why to be a risk taker. And so let's go back through these again, because I know you're going to have one more for me at the end. Uh, to be a risk taker, you have to one, bet on yourself. 
Two, ask for help. Three, understand your value. Four, become more. Then five, see your parents through adult eyes. Six, be thankful. Seven, be responsible on who you will be leading and also be responsible for who leads you. Number eight, be able to lead others, right? And then number nine is constant assessments. I love that. And then number 10, show up even when you're rejected, know your why. I love, that was probably one of my favorites because it's so true when you start a new business. And I think that's the biggest challenge I see with my stylists. I saw it with my companies. And at first I would get a little upset, but I thought, wait a minute, I'm doing this to change one life. So if one person shows up, I'm good to go, right? Yeah. And speak and uh, continue this because I've done the same thing that, doing a lot of speaking and then a lot of online uh, things that Sean and I are doing as well with salon owners. And you know what? We're just want to change one salon owner's life at a time. And I love that you said that because our why is so big and so passionate and so deep. And I, I love what you're doing. What do you think number 11 is to be a risk taker? What did I miss? Well, I don't even necessarily know if, if this even has anything to do with a risk taker, but this just keeps coming up for me because I don't think it's something that we've talked about. And I know that it's something that I struggle with, and I don't know if you do too, but I would love for you to celebrate your wins. Yeah. Just take a moment. And I'm telling this to myself while I'm sharing it with you too, because I'm really hor- about, horrible about celebrating my wins, no matter how big or how small. It's really looking back and saying, wow. I did that, or wow, I overcame that, or wow, look at where I am today. And it could be a millimeter of difference from where you were yesterday. It doesn't matter. It's forward movement. And so I think in order for you to be a risk taker, you also have to make the time to celebrate your wins and be proud of yourself and pat yourself on the back because what you do every day as an entrepreneur and as a risk taker is incredibly scary it's incredibly lonely and it is incredibly tough. Being a salon owner is one of the hardest jobs. And so I would love for you to just take a moment and just look back and say, wow, I did that. Or wow, I had a better day than I did yesterday. Whatever that looks like for you. I think that's very important to do that too. Yeah, that's huge. In my book, Be a Planner, I have us 10 minutes at the end of the day and it's part of celebrating your wins like what three moments do you want to remember yeah. and it's so funny because I'm like you I'm that I'm a high d personality so I'm on <laughs> yeah. and Sean knows I'm on yep. to the next thing and I don't stop to celebrate because I'm always like no we have to work on this right and yep. and so I had to like intentionally make a plan for myself every day to celebrate those wins. So I love that reminder because sometimes I will even skip my own book. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) So I need that constant reminder for sure. So thank you for that. And uh, so where can people find you and uh, what's the best way? Is it through Instagram or your website? Yes. So if you know anything about me, you know that I live on Instagram. I swear I have a little home on Instagram. So Instagram is at Nina Tulio. So just my name. And then also you can find me on my website at one nagency.com. So it's the number one nagency.com. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, on Facebook as well. I don't spend as much time on Facebook, but yeah, I mean, I'm very accessible. I want to communicate with people. I answer every single DM that comes into my inbox and every message, um, whether it's asking for help or advice, you know, I really want to be that person for as many people as possible. So I've really made it my mission to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, reach out anytime. Yeah. So it's Nina, N I N A T U L I O. You got it. Yep. So what risk are you going to be taking next in your life? (laughs) Well, oh my gosh, I know. So I'm really looking at scaling this business. And so I can't talk about too much of it, Mm -hmm. but I really am looking at creating opportunities for other salon owners and hairstylists Mm -hmm. um, and giving them a sense of security, a sense of education, a sense of, you know, future and career. And so I'm really looking to scale the business uh, in, in a way that can help 
others on a different level, right? Because you and I are both coaching and we're doing that and it's amazing, but I want to be able to continue to help on different levels. So that's probably one of the biggest things that I have coming up. Um, I'm going to be doing some speaking engagements, which is huge and a really big thing for me because that really was my ultimate goal was to just speak and reach as many people as possible. So I'm going to be, um, I was asked to be at the art of business this year in Atlantic city and they're an East coast company. And so since my salon was in the East coast, this is actually really cool and talk about coming full circle. I used to go to the art of business when I owned my salon and I used to watch Jay Williams and Gino Stampora and all of those people that I admire and say, God, I really, that would be my ultimate dream would be to be able to speak at Art of Business on this stage, right? And so, uh, yeah, they reached out and asked me to speak this year. So I'm honored and I'm really excited about that and also really excited about being back with my East Coast people. Um, I have a strong crew of people that really support me there and so spending time with them. So that's a really big one for me too. I have some other things in the works, but I cannot talk about them quite yet. <laughs> but Stay I do have some other right? things. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. You have to follow Nina to find yes. out what's in the work. You know, I'm actually going to add that number 12 because I believe to be a risk taker, you have to scale your business because mm. this age right now, I'm watching a lot of solopreneurs. Yeah. They think that it, they're a business owner, but they're not because they only make money if they're doing the work. Right. I want to train people like, Hey, scale your business, be an actual business owner where you actually have people that you're leading and be able to take on the journey with you. Because I believe one is too small a number to achieve greatness. So why, why isolate yourself and go it alone? So I love that. I'm all about that too, uh, Nina, because I really, really believe in legacy leading. Yes. People, uh, you know, where I've been. And so I think that's really, really huge. So thank you for doing that as well. Any last piece of advice as we close this out? And thank you so much for being a part of this. Of course. Yes. Thank you. I'm, I am like, so I am truly honored to be here with you today. Um, I think last words would be, just stay true to yourself. Don't train, don't change your business structure. Don't change who you are. Don't change the type of stylist you are. Just show up and be your best self or just show up and be you um, and allow yourself to have bad days. You know, I think that we're in a time right now where authenticity and transparency is key. And again, talking about building value and confidence it really is just learning to be comfortable in, in your, your own skin and be comfortable with who you are. So just get comfortable with being you. It's a journey to, to go through that and get to that point, but do the work and it will truly pay off for you for sure. So that would be my last tip, my last piece of advice. Great tip, great advice. I love you, Nina. Thank you Thank so much. You. Thank you. Love you so much. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.